When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. I'm Bo Wigington. In this week's episode, I got to chat with Chloe Hudson, aka Arc Welding Angel, a welder specialized in precision TIG work, currently working at Joe Gibbs Aerospace. She talks about how she got her start in welding in the nuclear sector, and then has been getting more and more involved in the racing industry, getting nominated for Drag Illustrated's 30 Under 30 this year. She shares her approach to welding titanium, some quick repairs she's had to make on the track, some people who have been big helps along the way, and then she gives us some advice on how to get involved in the racing industry as a welder. We dive in after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you tired of carrying multiple pieces of equipment on your service truck? Lincoln Electric has introduced the solution, the Ranger Air 260 MPX. This multifunction engine drive combines an air compressor, generator, battery charger, battery jump starter, and multi-process welder in one compact device, specifically designed for the unpredictable circumstances and job demands of the work truck industry. But that's not all. The Ranger Air 260 MPX is also designed to provide a lower cost of ownership with features such as auto stop-start technology and an electronic throttle body engine with variable engine speed. Don't miss out on this versatile and reliable machine that can handle any demanding job site. Visit www.lincolnelectric.com for more information on the Ranger Air 260 MPX available later this year and save space on your truck for other tools and gear with this compact power horse. Do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with you and your work? So my name is Chloe Hudson, I guess most notably Arc Welding Angel on Instagram. I mean, it's usually I get addressed in public, so that's, <laughs> I'm sure how most people know me. I am a precision TIG welder for Joe Gibbs Aerospace and Joe Gibbs Racing under kind of their Gibbs Industries umbrella. I also moonlight on the weekends with Tony Stewart Racing and do their social media. And in a pinch, I will weld whatever they need me to. And I always try and make sure they need me. But yeah, that's what I do. I am, I've got multiple processes on my, under my belt, AWS certified, AWS certified weld inspector. I kind of cut my teeth in the industry on pipe welding. So in structural, I've really kind of hit the gamut of every industry you could be in as a welder. So yeah. That's a wild ride. That's a Dude, wild, wild ride. It's so been far. wild. When you yeah. say you, you cut your teeth in pipe welding, like were you mm-hmm. talking like a shutdowns, that kind of work? Yes. So the first industry I started in when I was 18, I started in nuclear maintenance. And uh, anybody who's worked in nuclear knows that it's predominantly stainless steel piping systems that go into like the actual reactor building. And then from there, it's usually structural steel. So I think most people think of nuclear power stations as just being fission the fission process and i've worked with fleet reactor services on the floor whenever we exchange fuel rods but you know that's that's not really where the bulk of it is it's it's a water-based pipe system so i don't think anybody really thinks of it like that the fission itself creates steam which 
fuels the turbine, which produces power in a switchyard, which goes out to everybody. So for the first probably five years of my career, I worked in maintenance, not necessarily just a welder, but during outages, I would kind of bounce around every craft and trade. And anytime they needed welding that didn't have to be signed off by QC, I would try to do it myself. So it was mainly just structural, I-beam, lots of grates, steps, that kind of thing. My first interaction with Galvanized was there, which is never fun. Yeah, <laughs> but, always but, fun. Yeah. So that that was a kind of the first industry. Majority of my search from American Welding Society are pipe welding. So pressure vessel pipe welding certs. Whenever I did SkillsUSA for my college, I won the four inch Schedule 40 stainless steel pipe category. So that was kind of the thing that I really focused on until I switched gears to stuff that was more precision based. That's wild though. Like winning skills well, USA, that's that's not the easiest feat. Yeah, and it's it's kind of the only time I ever kind of pointed out for for myself as being a woman. I'm the only a girl in state history to ever for South Carolina, the only girl in state history to win that category. So I was really proud of that. And that year I was actually the only student to win for our school. So that was something that was a real big milestone for me. And it was probably the first time that my dad witnessed me be really like highly competitive at this and he kind of understood more of what I was trying to do so it was definitely something that really propelled me forward and thinking that I could be good at it it's it's always feels good to prove people wrong you know but also it feels yeah. great when people support you that kind of like see I'm really into this thing like music that was like my yeah. whole background was was playing music and and my parents were always like one day you'll get a real job and then, <laughs> then they saw me play with a band I was in in L.A. And they were like, OK, this makes sense. You know, like it's it's funny when you kind of had that breakthrough moment with with your parents and you're like, trust me, I'm really into this, you know. Yeah. I mean, whenever anytime but, that you're recognized by your peers, too, it's always helpful. Definitely. Through your journey here, you've had a lot of different jobs. What what is your favorite job you've ever had? So I would say probably where I'm at, the the thing that is always, I'm always trying to focus on whenever students come and ask me, you know, what they see on Instagram is the peak of my career. It's the pinnacle of my career. So, you know, you always get the people who call you a bench welder. Well, isn't that everyone's goal? You know, I, I don't want to have to break down my body for the sake of earning my paycheck every day. And, you know, I did that. I did that for 10 years. And if it was a grease trap, if it was hanging lead shielding in the reactor building, it, it didn't matter what the job was. I volunteered for it just to kind of make myself more valuable to my companies. And so my my end goal has always been to work for a company that I loved. I didn't want to have to be a contractor forever. I know you get more money, you get per diem, but the idea of having roots somewhere was the most important thing to me, especially doing something that was precision tag. So getting to weld titanium as a full-time job now for me is really honestly been the most idyllic outcome and is by far been my favorite job. Now, I, I do have the luxury of kind of production welding during the week which makes you very proficient at what you do and makes you really good and beautiful and is great for Instagram because everything looks perfect. And and then, you know, on the flip yeah. side of that, being at the track when they when they need me, that's kind of what I think that's what gets every water going is, is when somebody runs in and they're like, we need you to fix something. And you're the only person that can fix it in the moment. And so that kind of really feeds yeah. that ego side that's like I can fix this and it can be carbon it can be aluminum it can be titanium and is it the most beautiful thing no but man and there's nothing like a stress test of a thousand horsepower on a weld to really get your 
get you going. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's one heck of a bend test to pass every time. Yeah, no kidding. That's crazy. What, yeah. what has been the worst job you've ever had? Whenever I think about the worst jobs, I never really think about it as like the subject matter because I really loved kind of each part of my career because I've learned so much uh, about it. I would say that there are some job sites and some industries that I don't love. I think anytime you get really, as a welder with contract groups, I think that they really peg you as just a number. So the subject matter didn't really, or the base material didn't really matter so much to me because I wanted to be good at everything. Like, I mean, I want to be able to, if it, if it needs to be repaired, if it needs to be fixed, I can do it. Doesn't matter what process, doesn't matter what material. But I would say that just production, like corporate production, where you come in as a number, as a contractor, and, and there really isn't that camaraderie. And there's kind of like this vilification. You definitely see it between, you know, union guys and contract workers, especially when you're up north. You know, I worked in Massachusetts for a time and that was a big thing. And I just... I, I really, I like being wanted on a job site and not necessarily just like, all right, well, yeah. when your time is good, it's time to go. So I'd say that that's probably the main thing is I love being a direct hire now. And I think that as a contractor, that was kind of the thing that I least liked about being a welder. Yeah. I mean, but like, okay, something you just brought up being a direct hire, like, can you describe that to people? Because I think a lot of people are used to, like, I'm going to go get hired on at a job for X amount of weeks and then go find another one, you know. But as a direct hire, yeah. can you kind of talk about that? Because I feel like that's more racing industry geared, you know. Like, that's a lot more common so, in the racing industry. I would definitely say that, especially now with the racing industry, there is such a shortage of people proficient at their trade. I mean, that's mechanics, that's somebody with a CDL, that's somebody who can weld and I mean drivers themselves. There is just such a shortage across the board for people who are really passionate about what they do and really skilled at what they do and can troubleshoot and fix on the fly. And I think when you're a direct hire with a company, you know, Tony Stewart Racing kind of really made landmark history by doing these year contracts for these guys, which is huge. You know, I, th I think that America really got to this place where workers were kind of not looked at as, as valuable. I think that's, that tide is turning right now because they understand that if my toilet doesn't work, I can't fix it. You know, this this generalized knowledge that people yeah. used to have to kind of be able to patch and band-aid and repair, you know, that that's not what's taught anymore. And it's not passed down. And, you know, mm -hmm. these guys are phasing out of of jobs where, you know, they're, they're retiring and that knowledge is retiring with them. And new people coming in are just looking for whatever shortcut they can get the job done with. And I think that as a direct hire, it, it feels like you're being invested in. You know, as a direct hire with Gibbs, it feels like they're investing in me as an individual and the longevity I have as a, with their company. And when I'm invested in a company, I do a better job for that company. So I think that that's, that's something yeah. that... You, a lot of times you see on job sites where it's contract groups and it's six week jumps and, you know, you get guys that come in and test for two weeks and get paid for two weeks and then they drag up and go to the next job and test for two weeks. And, you know, it's just it, it turns into this weird game of how much can I get paid for the, the least amount of work I can do. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that <laughs> because it feels like you can't you can't rely on the guy next to you. And. It's always so interesting to me whenever yeah. people, you know, bring up the fact that I'm a girl when it's like, well, you know what? You're a man and can you do your job? You know, because that's the problem, too. <laughs> it's like, you know, you just you would just want people yeah. you want to surround yourself with proficient people. And with motorsports and it being so competitive, 
you know, that there is a competitive edge to it. Like, they want the bonus money. They want their team to win. They want to be all in on it. Like, you don't want – the guys that go out and drink all night and come in the hungover the next day and hope you lose the first round, you know, they get weighted out pretty quick because the people who are putting dollars into the cars, they, they want the cars down the track and they want to win. So yeah. I've had the luxury of really <laughs> – getting the highest highest version of what racing has to offer you know i mean gibbs is like one of the most decorated nascar or race teams and then you know tony stewart the legacy that they've had and matt hagan as a driver you know he's won world championship this year he's four-time world champion i mean like what what a luxury i've had to really see what elite motorsports has to offer and gotten to be a part of it but that comes from you know my reputation in the industry of not being someone who just hides somewhere for 40 hours a week so you know <laughs> such a crazy world like the the racing world i'm i'm not super steeped into the racing world but since i moved to north carolina i've been in it a lot more i just keep touching touching base with it you know of like i, I don't think you have my a first choice. job like in <laughs> welding i know yeah like when i the first job i had welding in like when I was going through school, I started working at this fabrication shop of a guy who used to work for Roush. And mm-hmm. like my whole thing was like, I want to learn how to to weld race cars and everything. And then my life just didn't go that way. But I keep I keep dabbling in the racing world and I really want to learn how to get good at titanium. Like that's that's one of my goals yeah. over the next year is to yeah. dive into that. I think I'm going to do an intensive down at Pit U. Oh, well, it's on the street from my house. So, yeah, very familiar with them. And TMS Titanium does ship to your house. So if you ever want end pieces, I know that they do pretty good deals if you want to do drops on titanium end pieces. That's actually how I taught myself before I took my first titanium test. Hmm. So I just had a bunch of two one-inch pieces to scent and butt welds and weld them to something. And that's, I mean, honestly, it's it's just all hours under the hood to get better at what you do. So... This, this all you just go for it. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? You blow it up. Yeah. It's not on part that's expensive. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I think that's the big thing, like with titanium, that a lot of people just get sketched out with is like, if you mess it up, it's not a cheap fix, you know, because it's expensive material. Right. But, but you got oh, yeah. everyone's gonna mess up every once in a while. You know, it's it's bound to happen. So yeah. you might as well just own it I mean, and just like go for yeah, it. Yeah, I still do, and and that's the it's like I mean I still do. Look, I when I'm welding and it's six days a week, dude, it's it gets crispy. But you know, if I'm on the road and tired, and you know, you get back <laughs> and you're like, damn, how do you weld this shit? And, and I've been doing it for twelve years, you know, fourteen technically, if you start if you count when I was in high school. So. I mean, yeah, I still have off days where, you know, it's $3,600 for the titanium on the parts that I weld, and it's one mistake. And a lot of times, too, with titanium, you know, it's purging. So if your purging unit and system doesn't work for you and you do these beautiful, immaculate wells on the outside of these hubs and you break it open on the inside, well, if it's colored out, it's colored out. You know, and the equivalent of that is like if you do a stainless pipe test and you sugar the inside. It's a fail. It's a fail is a fail. And yeah. if you don't know that your purging is not working for you, then it's it doesn't matter how good and pretty it looks. Titanium is pretty tricky. You know, I've heard people talk about how it's magnetic. Well, it's it's not magnetic. It's non-ferritic metal, which is the reason why it doesn't oxidize. So that's why people want to use titanium. And it has such a high price point because it's lack of ductility and strength. And so, you know, aluminum is super malleable and soft, and but it doesn't oxidize at the rate that, you know, carbon does. So a lot of people use it for shaving weight. But the strength that you get with titanium is just such a 
the aerospace field and the motorsports field will always use it because there's nothing that's even comparable. It's pretty crazy. I, and the crazy part about learning how to weld it, like you learning to weld in general, you learn a lot about metal, you know, just like yeah. metal alloys and what makes things. Yeah. Nickel content, <laughs> like chromium content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too much. There's just so much to learn. But we got to get back to the the topic at hand. So we were at PRI and yes. you were recognized for the Drag Illustrated 30 under 30. Can you explain yeah. what that is and like what that means to you too? It must be a really big honor. Yeah. So Drag Illustrated about eight years ago, they started this recognition process where you had to be nominated. So you actually couldn't nominate yourself. Other people have to nominate you for the title of 30 under 30. Now I've made it in by the skin of my teeth because your girl is 30. I am 30. <laughs> this is the last year I could have got it. <laughs> but the interesting thing <laughs> about NHRA is that, you know, I, I love doing videos. I love the creative process. I, if, if you're on my Instagram, you know, if, if, my whole thought process on it is, is when I do a video, if people who don't weld can't watch it and be entertained, then I'm not doing a very good job at what I do. And, you know, when I met Matt and he saw the the things I was capable of on Instagram, you know, they asked me to kind of focus on his drag team and what they do. And, you know, if you kind of go and look at his page, it's way cooler than mine. <laughs> I, I, I love the editing <laughs> process. I love the creativity with it. You know, I love... The built-in fan base that he has is just so receptive to new creative things whenever it comes to drag racing. Now, drag racing is two cars side by side. There's only so many slow motion shots that you can get of a burnout or, you know, a launch before people are like, is this <laughs> it? You know, it's like, how many times can I watch a run? Yeah. Especially if you're, you're if you're against the same opponent. You know, it's like, how many times can Matt race Ron Caps before it's like, what am I doing? Like, how do I make this exciting? So... Dragon Illustrated really took notice of the fact that I kind of wore two hats for this team. You know, the creativity and me trying to push the bounds of of what was expected from race teams as far as entertaining fans on when it comes to social media platforms. And then on the flip side of that, still being able to step up to the plate when they needed me to fix a car, you know, and these turnaround times being so tight and you know, still getting pushing that content out and and you know, I, they make my job easy. I mean, it's like, it's a, what, a handsome world champion. It's like, how hard is that to capture on content? And, you know, it's like his crew guys have really <laughs> trusted me. Yeah, right. It's like his crew guys have really trusted me that when I come in with an idea, even if it makes you feel silly, they're all in because they know I'm not going to make them look stupid. And so that makes my job immensely yeah. more easy. And then, you know, even when it's, it's Saturday and everyone's pissed off because you didn't qualify where you wanted to and I ask them a stupid question or tell them to dance, you know, they're still on board, which makes me look great. <laughs> but it's definitely a team effort. And, yeah. you know, it's the same guys that if somebody has some, especially titanium, if, you know, titanium wheelie bar goes down or I had to fix a bracket on, on Leah's car that held her uh, cockpit down. So like the actual cover for her cockpit, it broke. And for them to, to trust me, to even fix stuff like that. There's been times where body stanchions, support stanchions that are titanium that are tied into the firewall, Matt busted his and it completely sheared the the tube. And the idea that if you don't get a good repair on that and, and something catastrophic happens and it could go through the firewall and could impale on, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. But the idea that, <sighs> you know, these dudes 
trust me <laughs> like and they don't ask anyone else they trust they come to me they trust me with it and you know for a while there i thought it was just because i did it for free because i love it and but, you know now it's it's you, you get a chance to, to prove to prove yourself and i think price. that has more to do with it yeah you can't be you know sometimes they throw a bit one here and there or, you know cheese curds or something silly but uh, yeah i'm pretty easy to get along with hey. well that's that's so crazy so like now that you're talking about that i I wanted to know what is the quickest repair you've ever had to do? Oh God. So I think it was semifinals when it was like green car. I'm in Kansas city. I don't know. I can't remember, but there was a semifinal round. So for those of you that are listening, that don't know with NHRA, there's four rounds on Sunday and each window for turnaround time gets shorter and shorter and shorter for you to get on the starting line. And you know, these dudes, I mean, they knock out a turnover and, and I think their fastest one this year was 32 minutes and that's taking, it's completely stripping the engine down. I mean, rods, pistons, everything out, drain the fluids, everything, get it back together, warm it up, replace the fluids. And it had be like, hood down ready to go back on onto the line and the fun thing about that is is that you know the tire and body guy thomas he he's learning how to weld and but he still knows that i love it so you know anytime that i can help him with the body part of it i do but that being said he also has other responsibilities entire and body kind of is at the 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 last bit of it because it's the least labor inducing and the semifinal rounds when he did break that support tube essentially that went to the firewall and it was completely sheared and i had 10 minutes <laughs> 10 minutes okay Damn. anybody who's welded titanium knows that you know the the conditions are everything you know if you blow yeah if you're if you've ever go to a track and it's flat and you know these all these haulers lined up all they create is wind tunnels okay and i need gas coverage to fix titanium and where it happened to be is where the blower hole in the body is this this where right here it's right <laughs> blower hole in the body it just actually <laughs> just it just sucks the wind down up underneath it so i had to fix this thing yeah. and completely line it back up and do a sound weld but the weld itself was probably no clearance from the weld because of the angle it's at about a 45 degree angle to the firewall so at about a half inch of clearance to make a, a complete and total repair and and i mean you talk about nerve-wracking whenever they push it up to the front and alex is like hey you know if this fails it could impale him i'm like you couldn't have told me that before i was like change the body I'm like, don't don't trust this this has not been perfectly purged you know, the panic sweats and you just start Jeez. freaking out about it and then it's like so he, he makes it down the track go to finals and and uh, it comes back and it's like, you're sweating bullets. You're like, oh God, how bad is it? And then whenever you get it back and there's, there is a hairline crack above my weld. So where the heat affected zone hit new tube. And and the thing about the stock materials, especially with titanium, you know, if there's any impurities in it, if you've not let it cool properly in the proper conditions, you know, it's just ripe for, for breaking because it's not ductile. It does not bend, it, is, it just breaks. And so for it to have just a one yeah. single hairline crack above where I welded, I was like, yeah, you girl's good. All right, let's fix this too. And it's like, it's, you win the race and it's like, dang, yeah. You feel like you have like a little bit of part of it, the, you know, before he goes up there to accept his trophy. I'm like, you're gonna thank me, right? You know, <laughs> shout me out. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for my shout out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gonna need a tiara or something. <laughs> Repair queen. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
in the racing world, a lot of people, you know, you see the race, you see it happen. You might be there in person. You might be watching on TV. But what are parts of the racing industry people don't see? So the racing industry is considered entertainment. And I think a lot of people don't even recognize that. I feel like NHRA is kind of the last bastion of what classic racing is. You know, you don't have quite the politics in it. And I mean, of course, they're always going to be rampant with the nepotism and just, you know, that, that it is what it comes with the territory. You know, anytime money is involved and people can kind of buy their way into the sport, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a little different. And and with NASCAR being, I think it's like a 40 car field and you just have it's the volume is so much greater. And I think with with NHRA, if I was going to tell somebody who wanted to break into racing, and send their kid out on the road. I like the way NHRA really takes care of their people and the teams really, you know, I can't tell you how many times they loaned out parts or for instance, you know, Matt had two fuel pumps fail and had to go borrow one from a teammate. And I don't feel like you really see that with other motorsports. I, it's just the, comp- the, the competition is just too steep. It, you know, there's too many race dollars involved, but I feel like NHRA is really the last kind of just pure raw just yeah i want to beat you but you know this is still i want to beat the best car so if i've got to help you be a better car so that i know when i beat you you're the best version of you then that's what we're gonna do and i really really respect and love that and what what that means for the sport i think it's really cool yeah i mean if you want to feel like you've actually won you want to make sure that it's a level playing field so i like that's really cool that people are willing to just be like, I want the best of the best because it's not like oh, that yeah. in every I mean, industry at all. <laughs> and, the, and the majority of the drivers too, is like, you know, the drivers that play the games or roll it in deep and, you know, the ones that don't really have respect for, for you as a driver, especially if you're going for a championship and you roll it in deep and you have no shot at it, you know, but the thing about it is, is this sport, they recognize that like, and you, 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 you get what you give. And I, being somebody who is so hyper competitive, you know, it's like, I, I like that that still exists. It's not just, oh, participation trophy and good game. It's like, no, it's cut and dry. It's black and white. You win or you lose. You are either the best or you are not. And I think that that's actually the reason why, you know, Tony probably has really embraced it the way that he has, because, you know, NASCAR is points this and points that and deduction of this. And, you know, we're going to change the rules. But, you know, if you, your, your car messes up because you don't <clears throat> haven't had the car for a year and, you you know, we're going to deduct your points here and it's going to cost you a champion. And it's just it's like it gets so muddled that sometimes you just want to be like, can we just yeah. race? Like, can you just like can you just cross the finish line first? Like, is that is that a thing? Is that allowed? It's just it's like I just go against somebody and win. And that's it. You know, it's just kind of the beauty of what yeah. NHRA is. And I'll be I'll be honest, I've worked for Gibbs for almost five years now, and I've been to one circle track race. And with NHRA, I don't think I missed a single race this year. And it's, it's like 22 weekends of racing. So it's just, I'm really, I, I just love what it is and what it has to offer. But as a welder, you know, you go out there and you see like, you know, these guys can weld, they can wrench on cars, they can, they can fix things on the fly. And it's just, it's cool because when you're, when you're in contract work, especially in things that are regulated, like nuclear power plants, you know, you, you weld and that's it. You don't pull leads, you don't grind on nothing. You don't clean anything. Like you, you are called in for your specific job. It almost makes those transferable skills that you, you really get as a tradesman 
harder to acquire whenever you start in those kind of fields. Whereas like in racing, I feel like you've got to, you've got to fabricate, you've got to fix on the fly. You've got to really use your noodle and, and, and knock it out of the park if you want to win. And I love that. That's cool. Using that noodle. I love that. I love the that. Old noodle. <laughs> got to use that noodle. One other thing that we talked when we were at PRI, you were talking about how you love to support small companies. Like you were wearing a Western welder t- or Western welder shirt and like supporting people. I'm a big fan of doing that too. But like who have been some of your biggest supporters along the way? Oh man, Michael Furyk. Ooh, he was the first dude, you know, and when him. I started welding, oh God, I love him. It's so funny because he's so smart and so creative and his shop's down the street from my house. And, you know, there's been times where I've walked down there or drove down there and talked to him and, and needed something. And you just be talking to him. You can just see him just like check all the way out in your conversation, start thinking about something else. And I'm like, this dude is smart as hell. And I don't even know where to start. Like, I just was like, all right, my story sucks. I'll see you later. <laughs> when I graduated and I started welding is when he kind of first put Furic Cups on the map. And I went to Fabtech and wanted one. I wanted one so bad. You know, everyone kind of talks shit on them at school because they weren't necessary or whatever. But I'm always a huge proponent of if you can make your job easier or more proficient or more streamlined, then of course, like get the trick tools. Who cares? Like, I mean, I don't, it's not the misery Olympics. Like this whole misery Olympics that happens within (laughs) tradesmen of like, I had the hardest weld and I had to weld it upside down. And it's like, boom, 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 boom. Did you, did you have to? Or did you just think you wanted to be like cool? And I mean, I don't know. I, I've never really understood that whole idea about being cool you know i and i've totally fallen for it and like well i've worked 80 hours this this week without a break and i've worked for 36 days straight and it's like well you're stupid you didn't have to do that like it's just like (laughs) wait i feel like you know on kind of another tangent that has nothing to do with it i feel like when you get into the industry, you know, the higher ups get the accolades, they get the Christmas party at the end of the year, they get the bonuses, they get the trophies and the pat on the backs. And, you know, trades guys don't get that. The validation that we get does not come in that form. You know, we get mm-hmm. the only validation we get is our body of work. And a lot of times it's like if you you have to the, that's the where your respect comes from so it is how many hours it's how many overtime hours it's how much money you made it's the hardest weld it's how many processes you're proficient at and i feel like that's a lot of times it's where that comes from and you know that's that's what our metric for success is because we don't have you know stockholders patting us on the back because we've got a six percent increase on production costs or pro- profits or whatever you know the nothing that's yeah. really where a lot of <laughs> tradespeople it's a disservice to tradespeople with these massive companies because it's like you know it's like why don't you just like good job like good yeah, job just, for just, making a deadline like, like yeah <laughs> like it's like good send job send me a damn a card world. man yeah, I mean, I get fifty dollar gift card to Bass Pro Shops. I don't, you know, break the bank. You just gave out a six figure bonus to some dude who shows up to the office four hours a week. But <laughs> I'm like, I'm such a grumpy old welder. But back to small businesses, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Michael Fury. When I first started my career, you know, I, I went to Fabtech to get one of those cups and. The dude wouldn't sell me it, and 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 it wasn't Michael Ferrick. It was somebody working for him. And you know, I messaged him on Instagram, and I was like, "Hey, look, man. It's like I know I don't look like your normal welder, but I was like, I I want to be good at this, and I think that this will help." And at the time, I was welding things that had really tight corners, and you know, the the clear cup helped 
helped me be a better welder, helped me with visibility and I could see. And, and so from that day forward, Michael Fuhrer, I've never bought a single Fuhrer cup because he has believed hey. in my abilities, believed in what wanted me to represent him and his company. And, and it's when I started my Instagram and he was like, you know, even before I started my Instagram, he still sent them to me when I had like no followers. He was just like, no, he's like, I want you to be successful. And if this tool will help you be successful, here it is, which is massive. I mean, like, it's like, that's, that's, that really speaks to his character and who he is as a person. And, you know, from there, armor tool clamps, they were another one that really was in my corner from day one. And, you know, they've been hugely helpful. Mag switch, you know, I just, I, I found them at this year's FabTech and, you know, that that's a smaller company. And man, their products are badass. Like, dude, their, their stuff is mm -hmm. so good. And it's not a Harbor Freight magnet, but it, it's like you get what you pay for. You buy nice or you buy twice. And a lot of times I think people forget that, that there is a price tag associated with good USA made things. I'm such a sucker for something made in the United States because I want to be very proud of the United States and what we have to offer. And, you know, guys like Western Welder and, and you know, I, I really held out. I had a lot of people approach me for ambassador programs for specific welding machine manufacturers, but I held out until Lincoln reached out to me because you know, Lincoln is such a customer and consumer first company and they really stand behind their products. I can't tell you how many times I've been sent machines and I was like, hey, you look, you know, this this 215, the wire rollers on them aren't, aren't doing what I need to do. And, you know, they've made changes for production things based off of my feedback and input. And I mean, like that massive company like that still really you know, championing uh, welders in the industry. And, you know, they're the first person that I saw have an ambassador that was a welder. You know, it's like, I don't do anything else. I'm not a race car driver. I'm well, I still, still to this day, you know, people see me around, but it's like, no, what I get paid for, my hourly rate is a welder. And that's it. It's like, yeah. the, I don't get paid from Instagram stuff. I just... That's why if you see it on my Instagram, it's because I believe in it. And there have been some big companies that have sent me things and I'm like, I don't like this. I, I don't I don't care. I don't care if you're going to pay me or you want me to be an ambassador. It just is. It doesn't fit. It doesn't fit me. It doesn't work for me. And it's just, you know, it's like take aesthetics and Tycon and, and all those guys. It's like, man, how cool is it to have people innovate and make my job easier? Of course, of course, if your shit works for me, I'm going to push it. I'm going to push it because you know what? I want you to be successful because I want, I want you to keep improving upon this. I want it to keep getting better. I want you to keep making my life easier of not having to worry about trailing cups and purge this and this and this and this. If I can just slap that bad boy on my, my TIG torch and just scoot along, that's way better than trying to have to reposition and chamber welds. You know, first thing first people want to tell you with titanium, you got to chamber weld it. Well, if you can give me a tool where I don't got to fill a chamber up and have the cumbersome, just stupid gloves you can't see and the thing gets scratched, it's like, of course, give it to me. I will try it out. And I, I can't tell you how much easier my life has been from little guys like Tick Aesthetics. You know, it's like, it's what an incredible contribution to the field of welding that these guys have, have done that, you know, people don't even like, I think really fully appreciate it until you have to use it every day. And it makes a, a, a part passable because, you know, your fail rate is important. And if, if I'm failing parts out because I can't get my purge right, and then I've got this trailing cup that gets my purge right, dude, all day, I don't care what it costs, all day long, let's do it. Oh, and Kinetic Customs. All day. All I don't day, know who to eat. Like, 
Dude, somebody needs to like put Kinetic Customs in the U.S. because their stuff is insane. I don't know if you've noticed them, but you should go look at. I mean, I know it's like mm -hmm. hammers and stuff, but they've got torpedo levels that are milled CNC and milled from aluminum, like a built aluminum. And man, they've got punches. It's just it's like it is just such good tools. It's the kind of tools you just like. You want to put it at your house and be like, have you seen this? And you're like, I work in IT. Like, I don't care. Have you, have seen, you seen this hammer? They, they put my name on it. Like, look at this hammer. Like people who really, really, you know, it's just like their give a damn is not busted. Like they care. They want to put good stuff out there and they want to look, they want you to invest in a tool that looks good, functions. And it just is like, they've. there's people I've gotten to work with. I'm just very, very, very proud to be associated with them. That's just really cool. And I mean, that's something that I try to do, like running the socials and everything over at Weld. Like I, I try to shine light. Like if you tag me in it and it's, it's cool and it's, it, there's nothing like crazy and dangerous in it. I didn't start tagging you more. Yeah. Tag me. I'll share. Like I love sharing stuff, but I like, I, I like finding new things and new accounts and like just being like, Hey, check this out. These people are doing really cool stuff. This has been quite quite the conversation so far but i always love leaving everyone with a little bit of advice but i think it would be really cool like we've talked a lot about titanium and that was going to be my question but if someone is trying to get into the racing industry like what would be your biggest advice to them so you have to be good at a plethora of different metals there's no metals that are universal for one individual car so you need to get proficient at aluminum, which is my weakest point. Aluminum is by far been my weakest. And the only thing that I've ever really done is is actually valve covers, not like valve covers for a car, like like valve covers for pipe systems for a hydroelectric unit. I got to do a lot of straight line uh, aluminum welds. And, you know, it's not really, you know, applicable to racing. You know, there aren't a whole lot of straight lines when it comes to race cars. And uh, being yeah. <laughs> proficient in a plethora of metals, because, you know, SFI and safety standards, you know, they've got they've got a standard for every part. So that could be Inconel, that could be non-magnetic stainless, that could be titanium, it could be aluminum. But the fact of the matter is, is if you're trying to break into this industry, you need to cut your teeth on a little bit of everything. Like you need to be able to say, hey, look, aluminum turbo housing. I had to fix a turbo housing for Bruno Mouse the other day. And, you know, there's little tips and tricks that you pick up along the way that Put it in the notes on your phone. I can't tell you how many notes I have on my phone. I've got things for overhead dual shields. I've got things in my phone for aluminum. I've got, you know, I weld mainly O52 wall uh, titanium. And, you know, I know that my purge plugs are set at, you know, 30 CFH. I know I run an SSBBW at 40 to 45 CFH. I have a trailing cup on 20 so it doesn't create turbulence in my pool. I use serrated tungsten. If you want to be proficient in titanium, understand that it has this very strange viscosity to its molten state. And it will actually, if you try and use a thorated tungsten, it will suck up on your tungsten. When you add your filament material, it'll stick to the base material. It's it's just, it's very interesting to see because the melting point is more akin to aluminum. I feel like it's like once it's melted, it's melted. But it's like once you back off the heat, it really backs off the heat. 
And so it's one of those things that it's like, once you get the hang of like the little things here and there, even if you don't do it for a while, you really call on those whenever you've got to. So, you know, titanium is kind of my wheelhouse right now. And that's what I would tell people, you know, when you introduce your filler material, do it directly into the puddle. With me in stainless, I had a tendency to really drag it at the front of my puddle to kind of give me stabilization of my rod and really... It, it really gave me a uniformity to my welds that made them beautiful. You know, it gave me that very, very consistent dime stack because I would really just, I would time that drag at the top of the puddle and it would give me the exact same amount of filler material because the way that it would hold on to heat and dissipate stainless steel, anything that's got carbon in it, it'll really kind of heat sink it out in a way. Whereas titanium, it's very, very concentrated to where you're actually, you know, producing the heat. So at... Mm. At your puddle, you'll blow out a titanium weld for thin wall tubing in a heartbeat because that's how it's how aluminum is. You will if you really concentrate it and you don't back off with a pedal, you will blow it out with a quickness and you won't even see it coming. And so back to titanium, you know, I would say the the serrated, the light gray is has been a game changer for me. I will not use anything else. As a matter of fact, I brought Macrofuric sells it. I brought a whole pack of it to the track. Because, you know, when you're in tight joints and tight positions and anything that's an acute angle, you've got to be equipped with the right stuff or your job's going to be a living hell and you're not going to get a good repair on something that's going to last for a weekend. And so it's that that's it's really your equipment and, and no different than MIG welding. You know, MIG welding is an art in itself, but it's it's because you know your machine, you know what it sounds like, you know, you know, the wire speed and amps and and. You know, that's why 180s for Lincoln is the bane of my existence because it's like the dials don't have numbers on. I'm like, how am I supposed to translate this to something else? If you know you're frog hair past G, you're like, how do I, how do, I do this at the track? But, you know, it's like as soon as you find something that works for you, write it down, put it in your phone. When I do my 052 wall, yes. thin wall I, I start at 70. Okay. I'm at 70 amps. I, I like I said, all my CFH settings for my purging. And, and that's, that's kind of my zone. I never go above 70. You know, I know there's some guys who put it on 120. And I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You are tempting to weld gods right now. And I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> but it's just, yeah, anytime that you, you really nail it down a particular type of metal. Oh, another thing that I learned, which is so random. So aluminum, if you're in the field and you, you need to weld aluminum. Dude, clean it with Dawn dish soap. I know that sounds crazy, but the degreasing agents in Dawn dish soap do not leave a residue. Jesse, guy I work with, actually taught me that. And it has been an absolute game changer for me at the track whenever I get brought, you know, these dirty aluminum pieces that got to get welded and, you know, preheat it, clean it, and then hit it with the Dawn dish soap and really rinse it off good. And man, it makes a huge difference as far as not pulling contaminants into your weld. It works for the ducks. Yeah. It has to work yeah. for the metals. I appreciate your time. It's always fun chatting with you. Where can people find your stuff? Like, where where can people see all of your work and what you do? So I, my main platform is definitely Instagram. That's pretty much the only place that I consistently post because I like it. But yeah, Arc Welding Angel, at Arc Welding Angel on Instagram. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Weld.com podcast. And thank you, Chloe, for chatting with me. I will definitely be reaching out for some titanium tips soon. I also wanted to give a huge thank you to Lincoln Electric for sponsoring the podcast and helping us all learn about the different pathways available in the welding industry. We're going to be dropping some behind the scenes and bonus episodes each week, giving you a deeper dive into the videos coming out on YouTube. So keep an ear out for them. 
You can also check out the video side on the Weld app. And if you're not a member yet, what are you waiting for? Download the app today and join the community. I hope everyone has had a great start to the year. And until next time, we'll see you out there.